Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, thank you. It's always nice to have somebody who shouts back. Uh, I think my gain might need to drop just a little bit, that red dial at the top, because you know, I, f- I find New Year's Eve a really weird time of year, a really odd day, because you stand on that kind of gateway between what has been and what is to come. And as a quite a reflective person, as someone who likes to chew on all that has passed and, and all that is head, that, that can kind of make today an easy day and can make it a hard day. I should say as well, I have certain friends who listen best by fidgeting and colouring and by playing with stuff. So although there is a table there for the younger person to do some colouring, if you listen best by colouring, that includes you, Tim, feel free to go colour. This is not um, a test. Thank you. Bless you, brothers. It's, it's not a test of how quietly and well you sit still. That The point of a sermon is to help us all connect with God's Word. So if colouring and fidgeting is your thing, go for it. Uh, I'd encourage you not to shout at me too much. Talk to me afterwards, only because my brain doesn't work quite quickly enough and I like to think about what the answer is I'm going to give. But this does mean that today is a bit of a tense day for me in many ways. As I, as I sit at this, or I stand in this doorway, 2024, all ahead of me, 2023, behind me. So what we're going to do is we're going to read a passage, three short verses from the gospel, no, well, from God's gospel, his good news to us, but from the prophet Isaiah in the ninth chapter, and starting at verse 2, and then I'm going to read verses 6 and 7, and they should appear up on the screen. There should be some uh, PowerPoint slides with all sorts of images on them that will, will appear. Yuri's shaking his head, which is never a good, good sign, so do you know what? We will just go for it and we'll read here. Isaiah 9, verse 2 says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, On those living in the land of a deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's been an eventful year, hasn't it? We've had all sorts of things happen. We've had a new king crowned. Back in May, you may well have sat transfixed to the TV as Justin Welby and other religious dignitaries crowded around a single person and placed things on his head and things in his hands and put clothes on him, sprinkled a bit of holy oil on him, all sorts of things going on. There's been political intrigue and turmoil with all the questions about how do we handle the asylum system or... Do we call them asylum seekers or immigrants? I know which way my inclination is, and it's not the latter. There's the cost of living crisis. There's been strikes by transport and healthcare staff, the first in decades. 
There's the impacts of changing climate and its effects. We're quite aware of that today, aren't we, as we'll probably all swim home because the rain that seems unceasing is going to continue to batter this nation because we have the joy of the jet stream that blows over this fair land. As I always say, you can't live in a green and pleasant land without a little bit of rain. At the moment, we've maybe got a little bit too much, but hey, it'll even out over the summer, I'm sure. There's wars all around the world. I, I, did, I did a quick look, and we're quite aware of Israel, Palestine, and Russia, Ukraine, but in Myanmar, there has been a civil war which has led to more than 10,000 deaths that first started in 1948. It still goes on today. There's a civil war in Ethiopia. There's the war in Sudan. But it's not always been difficult news, has there? We've had religious struggles and turmoil and all sorts of things going on, and yet the Lionesses made it through to the World Cup final. Yes! Fantastic. My daughter was so pleased. For those of you who are audiophiles, vinyl outsold CDs for the first time since 1987. Yeah, exactly. Good bit of analogue quality there. Even better news, a pill that halves the risk of breast cancer has been unveiled. Adele stopped a show in Las Vegas to tell a security card to leave a fan alone. It's quite nice to have the, the rich and the powerful intervening in the lives of the minions. And there's been so many others, but our world, our life this year has been bittersweet. So you might be saying, so why am I going into Isaiah? Why am I digging into this passage that seems to, to be so positive, so wonderful? Well, the world of Isaiah weirdly mimicked our own. If you look at chapter 6, Isaiah said, it was in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. His prophetic work really started as a new king was crowned, Jotham was crowned king of Judah. In fact, there were three coronations during Isaiah's ministry. He inherited a strong political and administrative government which dissolved slowly over the time of his ministry into intrigue and self-serving service. They too struggled with how to, street, how to treat the stranger and the alien, how to handle those that were coming to see them. They too had the threats of wars with the, the mighty empire of Assyria slowly encircling them, in fact, it hadn't even encircled them at the beginning. And then, later in Isaiah's ministry, Judah ended up as a vassal state as the northern tribes, the northern kingdom of Israel, was taken off into captivity. And you've got all the religious struggles that are going on for them too. The worship of idols that has become rife through Israel, the carrying on of religious rite and ritual up in the high places. As John Goldingay says, the religious observances that had begun to lack sincerity in God's people. So it seems to me that we live in a time that's very similar to Isaiah's time. Troubled times, times where things don't necessarily make sense, that we live with this both existential and real sense of threat around us. We've got all these things going on that could, as this service has so far pointed towards, lead us towards 2024 with a sense of foreboding, of worry, of concern. Isaiah lived in that time of transition, a time of troubles and successes. 
as well as hearing from God with prophetic insight what would happen. So we come to Isaiah with this hope that he has something to offer us for 2024 and for us as we look back at 2023, that the words of the prophet can shine a light on our future path so we can walk into next year, not with fear but with confidence, even if we walk towards the valley of the shadow of death. And in fact, there's so much packed into these verses that I reckon we could have a sermon series well, we could have several sermon series, couldn't we? I could be uh, spending a considerable time on God as our counsellor, by the Holy Spirit, leading us and guiding us. I could spend men- mental, well, a mental amount of time, really, on, on God as mighty God, how his sovereignty speaks into our life and our living. Or it might be the everlasting Father aspect that we grab hold of, that we, we take a look at. But I really think that Prince of Peace is where God has been leading me. God as Prince of Peace. It's where my heart has been drawn for several years now, and it's not a new thing for me. Because the last year has been troubling for me. last few years have been troubling for me. And for some of you, I've no doubt you have troubles. And for some, they'll have ebbed into the background. Those troubles will seem like distant memories, and for that I'm grateful to God. But for others of us, We live with the pain and the hurt of the year that has just gone by. I mean, for me, my dad lost his uh, battle with cancer back in July after a 16-month struggle with stomach cancer. That was hard. It's changed the rhythm and shape of my life beyond recognition. And it's something that's going to continue to shape my life. I've also had changes in work. As Luther said, I I was, I am a chaplain in Cardiff and Vale. And I was spending a lot more time in in areas which I felt drawn to, but because we needed to cover all the hospitals, I've been moved around a bit more. So for me, it's been quite a challenging time. It's changed what I can do and how I do it. I find that quite difficult. And there are other things that I've no doubt will come to challenge me and to come to challenge you. There may be emotional difficulties, spiritual wranglings, those questions of sense and meaning that we all wrestle with. Those things which almost feel impossible to face. So what does this prophet have to say to us about 2024? Well, the first thing is this, I guess. One thing that Isaiah highlights so strongly. God is not going to remove the struggles from your lives. He's not. Unfortunately... This is an important thing for you and me to grasp because the brokenness of the world that has existed since the very dawn of creation continues to be a thread that runs through our lives, your lives, my life. And that brokenness invades our lives in different measure, in different ways, but it still invades. And this isn't part of God's glorious redemption plan that brokenness is the thing that God came to remove but every single ungodly unjust unrighteous unmerciful unforgiving action that you and I make reinforces that thread continues its thread through our very existence that's why Jesus said things like I'll see if I can catch up Uh, Yes, 
Sorry, I've gone too far. That's why Jesus said this. You will always have the poor among you. You will always have the poor. If we treat our neighbour as ourselves, if we love them with equal measure to ourselves, how can we have poverty? And yet Jesus says, it will always be there. Why? Because the very good of God's creative pinnacle has been broken since we started to involve ourselves in it. For Isaiah, there were some very clear ways in which God's people were contributing to that brokenness. And we need to take care not to repeat those same mistakes. God's people had replaced trust in God with activities that guarantee God's faithfulness to them. They started getting very hung up on following rites and ritual. Instead of trusting God in his promises, they'd even been making offerings up in the high places to other gods. Those desires to try and coerce the Almighty into blessing them. It made them feel that they could contribute to their own salvation. It made them feel good about, about themselves instead of resting on Almighty God's promise and peace. In effect, for them, the, the serving of Yahweh had, had ebbed into a, a following of rite and ritual for the sake of the rite and the ritual. And that isn't that surprising, I suppose, given the promised uniting, united kingdom for God's people had only briefly lasted during David and Solomon's reign. Both before and after, it hadn't existed. There'd been fallout, there'd been disputes, there'd been all sorts of troubles. In fact, as soon as David died, there was already that battle for who would be king next. Solomon's mother having to rush Solomon and get Nathan the priest to anoint him so that the plans of usurpers could be undone. And as soon as Solomon died, it all fell apart. That's why we have two kingdoms. It can be very confusing as we read the Bible because we keep on referring to Israel, but Israel only exists for a very small amount of time as a single united nation. After Solomon, you have ten tribes of Israel in the north and you have the two tribes of Judah in the south. And even then, it's not quite that simple. And that disruption in God's people had maintained until the day of Isaiah. And then the Assyrians, this growing threat, were hanging around out there, growing their empire, starting to do annual campaigns to, to seek to subjugate and it wasn't long after Isaiah's ministry started that those ten tribes that were in the northern country of Israel were assimilated into the Assyrian Empire, almost like the Borg, for those of you like Star Trek. They were assimilated, blended in, so that there was nothing left of them, so that they had disappeared from history, subsumed into the culture of Assyria. But even with all that happening, Isaiah could prophetically see that Judah was not to be isolated from this struggle or trouble. That they too would suffer captivity, that they too would end up going into their wilderness. The darkness was descending. The darkness of being separated from their temple and from their people. And in that darkness, a great light was needed. 
And this is the message of hope that Isaiah brought to a mix of confident and terrified people. A mix of rich and poor, a mix of people who were struggling with what the year ahead might hold for them and for those who were confident that it would be okay. <coughs> Isaiah didn't quite know what this dawn would look like, but, but it would be a beacon of hope for everybody in Judah. That beacon of hope would be a new king in the line of David who would break into history and who would transform their lives. The people in Isaiah's day would have looked back to a, a hope of a reunification of Israel, a re-establishing of a physical land. Sadly, because of the action of the Assyrians, that would never happen. Israel ceased to be a people of distinct language, distinct culture, distinct faith. Yet Isaiah still speaks a word of hope for the dawning of the light that would drive out the darkness that surrounded them. Because that prophetic light that Isaiah was given was not a physical freedom or a physical reinstatement. It wasn't a removal of the burdens of life. It was actually for a freedom from fear that defies all understanding. It was a freedom from, from all that is troubling, not because it is removed from you, but because a peace can flow in, which makes the trouble workable, livable. Because Isaiah sought a, a future where the advice of God was desired, rather than following the advice of corrupt advisors that were so prevalent at his time where God's might would be evident in the lives of transformed people, bringing about a freedom that no conqueror could ever take away. A future where the fatherhood of God was expressed eternally because you could see the peace that rested on God's people. Now that is a magnificent dawn, a magnificent light that drives out darkness. That, for me, is the true breaking of new light. And that's the thing, isn't it? When, when we accept Christ as Saviour, when we put our faith and trust in God, there should be a massive transformation that happens in us. It should lead us through into peace, whatever the troubles. And it's not a peace that disconnects us or isolates us from what goes on, but it's a peace that helps us to work within, to act within, to love within all that is going on. Because God knows the struggles of your hearts and my heart. God knows what it's like to face the brokenness of the world that breaks into people's lives. He knows what it's like to face opposition, hardship, poverty, hunger, the loss of loved ones, the loss of friends, friends who've stabbed you in the back or turned away from you. Christ knows. Because Christ, who was fully God, experienced all of this and so much more in his fully human life. There is little that God ever experienced through Christ that you or I will never face. In fact, I'm grateful that I only face a fraction of what Christ faced. 
particularly here in this land. Even my hardest hardship is nothing like his. Nothing at all. And that's it, isn't it? Christ offers us peace. Peace which guards hearts and guards minds in a way that goes beyond the understanding of the world. He offers us a hope that enables us to follow God wherever he leads us. Whether it's into the the easiest of lives in 2024, whether everything is rainbows and unicorns and hope and happiness, or whether we walk through that valley of the shadow of death. It's not the environment that changes, but our hearts and our minds that change. As Christ transforms us each day more and more into the likeness of his Son. It means that whatever the struggle, we can follow with peace. Because we know we don't go alone. We know that Christ goes with us. We know that we walk through that darkest valley, not in our own strength, but because his rod and staff comfort us. Because he walks right next to us. So I guess that's the peace I pray that we all experience this coming year. It's a peace I pray that you and I experience in greater measure. We don't know what 2024 will bring. None of us. We might have a few guesses, but none of us really know. But God does. Christ knows. And he knows your salvation, your peace, your faith is not based on how many prayer meetings you go to or how often you read the Bible or what words you use to pray. We know the thief on the cross had no opportunity to do any of those things. It was simply the faith that he had that saved him. And the same is true for you and me today. Pray simple, pray complicated. God doesn't care. He looks at the heart. Read often, read little. God doesn't care. He looks at the heart. How is your faith growing? How is... How is your hope growing? How is your trust growing? That's what God looks at, is the inclination of your heart moving more towards him. If so, do those things. If not, change what you're doing. For our faith is called to be solely based on faith in Christ, the Prince of Peace, who can guard our hearts and our minds in whose presence we can live every single day and every single moment of every single day. It's a faith which is open to any and all who have trusted him. So I guess it would be one of those questions which if I didn't ask, have you trusted Jesus? Because if you haven't, on that gateway into a new year, this is a fabulous day to make a decision. It's a wonderful time and opportunity to enter into a new year with new life and new hope and new peace. You might go, Andy, what about everything else? What about all the hang-ups from the past? What about all that I've gone through in the year that has gone? God knows. And it may be that you haven't had those opportunities or you want prayer and support to face all that's gone on well do you know what there's a lump of elders here and a lump of deacons and a lump of believers who will all gladly pray with you
support you with that. It would be our pleasure and our privilege. Or it may be that you just sit there and think, my life has descended into ritual observance. I feel bad if I don't come to church on a Sunday, but it makes no other difference to me. Well, if that's where you're at, we would love to pray with you, support you, help you engage with your faith once more, that it may grow and become vibrant and transformative and not merely a habit or a ritual. Because Isaiah's words, which spoke out to everybody in that nation of Judah, before they were going to experience years of captivity, and a hundred years before they were taken into captivity, says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I love the way our reading ends. Because it doesn't say the zeal of humanity will achieve this. It doesn't say that the ritual observance of humanity will achieve this. It doesn't say anything other than the zeal of the Lord Almighty will achieve this. Our hope is in God alone, by faith alone. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know us completely. You know everything about us, every aspect, every, every hang-up, every struggle, every victory, every joy. So we invite you, Lord God, Come into our hearts and transform us so completely that everything we do in the year to come is motivated, guided, strengthened and encouraged by you, the Lord God of hosts. And Lord God, as we step into January the 1st, would you help us to put behind us everything that is not of you, that our lives might truly be fruitful and abundant and peace-filled. Lord God, those words in the Gospel say, as you approached death, Jesus, you committed your spirit into the hands of the Father. We commit this year into your hands, Father, and say, use it for your glory. Use it for the growth of your kingdom in us and through us and around us. For you are the faithful God who never abandons, who always strengthens and encourages. So God, would you make it so in your glorious name. Amen.